Bring it in. We are T-minus three and a half days, roughly, from the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals, number nine versus number nine. I cannot wait. The whole crew's together. We got a massive Super Bowl preview for you today. We're going to break down the game, X's no style, gut feeling stuff. Uh, we're going to give you a ton of prop bets. So we're going to do our football prop bets. We're going to do our prop bets that are fun about the broadcast, stuff like that. And then we're doing something fun for today. All three of us each got $1,000 of Monopoly money, essentially. We'll call it read option bucks, like shroot bucks. And uh, we're going to spend them on prop bets, on our picks for the game uh, as we deliver our games. And we're going to see who does the best from the Super Bowl odds here uh, based off of what we found online, FanDuel, other places like that. But the whole crew's together, and I'll be honest, when we hung up the, the headsets the other night, boys, I did not think we would be opening this pod with basketball, but uh, that's what we're going to be doing. So before we get into the blockbuster deal at the NBA trade deadline, Scotty, you are decked out in Bengals gear. looks like Microsoft right. Word. Some work maybe in there, printed on a white piece of paper. Got a Bengals yeah. logo. Um, Billy Burrow on the seems- back. Seems like you might be favoring um, the Rams. We'll I don't see. know. We'll see. A- all things are possible, Jeff. It'd be a hell of a heel turn if, if you came in dressed up with all this Bengals gear, gear in quotation marks, and uh, I got a hat would, would pick I the Rams. I, I see. <laughs> I see. Uh, Vito, you are in an, uh, another city, Cleveland. Just never know whenever it is when you pop up. Uh, how are you doing, bud? Good, man. Uh, they're setting up for the All-Star game here, which is pretty cool. This whole city's uh, getting decked out. So um, pr- pretty exciting, actually, around here, but not doing well. I mean, I- I'm glad to be up here. I'm pushing back my uh, flight to go home so I can watch here. And I don't know if I'm going to go Monday or t- Saturday, but I'm going to go to the Hall of Fame. There we go. After the Super Bowl. Bask in, in just the football greatness down there. Um as we know, the season's coming to an end. So uh, I guess it's the bittersweet part of the season where we're about to have an amazing game, but then nothing f- until, well, I shouldn't say nothing because then we're going to go right into like draft and mode and everything yeah. with free agency. So whatever. Plus baseball, <laughs> and, basketball and playoffs, the, the tourney, NBA. I mean, come on. The NBA just got really, really interesting. You just brought up the All-Star game. The All-Star break's coming up here in a few weeks in Cleveland. Um, but the All-Star game will will look a little different this year with players maybe representing different teams than we thought um i want to take a minute here right off the top because we couldn't not talk about it uh but james harden being dealt from the uh brooklyn nets to philadelphia to help end the ben simmons saga uh and it ends with ben simmons ending up in brooklyn where he will hopefully be for him at least be competing for a title alongside kd and kyrie irving uh, also in that trade We have two first-round picks as well as Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Now, uh, the pod listeners, you know I'm a Philly guy, right? So this does directly uh, correlate with my team and my fandom, but I've been spending most of my afternoon reacting to this. Um, 
not really from a fan's perspective. Like I, I was obviously very exhilarated with when anytime a Woj bomb drops, it's exciting. But then when it's a Woj bomb, that's about one of your teams and same thing with Schefter, it just kind of hits a little bit different. And mm-hmm. I sat there and I was in the car and I saw it and I was just like, Oh shit. Like it, it actually happened. The deal we thought was going to happen a year ago, but it was going to be Houston and Philly now becomes uh, Brooklyn and Philly and we lose Seth Curry, but you know, there's some redundancy with what James Harden uh, is going to be able to add from what Seth Curry did. Uh, and you kept Thibel, which is huge. You kept Maxi, which is huge. And a lot of the core is still around this Philadelphia 76ers team. Um, I'm still very much, in the processing phase of, of how I think this is going to work out. Right. Because I look at what James Harden can do on his own as an individual scorer, as a ball handler, as you know, an MVP in this league, widely considered a top 10 player, even though it does seem like he might be on the downswing of his career, but for what we have left of him and, and the way he looked when he first got to Brooklyn last year, if that's any indication, this is a perfect marriage, you know, him and Embiid, you have perimeter domination. You have ball handling domination with James Harden around the outside in, in elite playmaking. And then you also have interior domination. Like there's not a single area in which the Sixers offensively won't be dominant anymore. Uh, you still keep Thibel for the defensive side of the ball. You still have Danny Green, good defender, and obviously Embiid back there. And Harden, you know, when he wants to play defense, he's not bad at it. And he's a bigger body than, than Seth Curry. So I think they actually upgrade there as well. I'm sitting here from the Sixers perspective, thinking pretty positive about it. But then you realize that, you know, James Harden's next contract, which you would think there probably would be a contract comes after this, would have a 36-year-old James Harden getting paid $63 million a year at the end of that contract. It would be the worst contract in the history of pro sports. And the conventional wisdom tells you that these – players these nba guys hit a wall of uh production when they get around the age of james harden is predictor it's not just the age too it's the minutes played and james yeah. harden's over thirty thousand minutes which is typically the cliff drop off here so that's the philly side and obviously as more progresses we'll see i'm as of right now very optimistic and I think the two of them together should be fantastic. It's going to take a little bit of getting used to, and it might cost him be the MVP because Jokic is still going to be doing his thing. And I think it's going to take a, a while for Embiid to really become acclimated. But I think it's a win for the Sixers. And considering that you took a, a, a net zero asset in Ben Simmons and turn it into James Harden when just two months ago we're talking about Sabonis and, you know, uh, Jeremy Grant and you know Halliburton these guys are this is who were De'Aaron Fox like those were the names you're hearing and instead Daryl Morey waited out no one thought they could get a top player and shit here we are and we have James Harden and then the Brooklyn side of this which is the part that scares me the most is this is as good of a position as Ben Simmons could have found he does exactly what they need and he never needs to shoot the ball he doesn't need to push the ball or handle the ball unless he's in transition or he's playing off of the pick and roll. He's going to be a primary screener for Kyrie and for KD. When Kyrie's on the bench, Ben Simmons will be able to play some point guard. He's going to be able to guard the best perimeter player, or honestly, just the best player on the other team, which is going to save KD and Kyrie. Plus yeah. Joe Harris. <laughs> yeah, and and you have Joe, Joe Harris there, but Seth Curry's coming along, and Seth Curry's yeah. Joe, a better Joe Harris. 
Exactly. Yeah. So you're going to have three really good scores in, in them and KD. They're not going to ask Ben Simmons to do a whole lot at all. No, he's they're going to say, hey, when you get a rebound, and you can push it in transition. Do it. Other than that, in the half court offense, you're going to be screening. You're going to be rolling and you're going to be and the, the thing that Ben Simmons does as well, if not better than anybody in the league. And, uh, you know, it is this screen. He sets a screen. He rolls. He gets hit with the pass and then he kicks to the outside because everybody collapses on Ben Simmons because they know exactly where he's going. You know, Ben Simmons created more open threes than any player in the NBA over the last three years, not including this season. That says something about the way that, you know, the asset. And again, I've always said I'm a believer in the talent of Ben Simmons. And now he's going to be in a place where there's two champions, two MVPs. Well, I guess Kyrie never won finals MVP, but at least KD won finals MVP and the regular MVP. And Kyrie's, you know, hit a game winning shot for Cleveland against the Warriors in a game seven to win a final. So Ben Simmons, you get to be the third player. You don't have to do anything other than what you're great at. And my fear is that, this trade makes the Sixers better, but it's made Brooklyn so good to a point that I think they're better than Philly. Now, the question marks about Kyrie is a part-time player. He can only play on the road because he's unvaccinated. He can't play in his own home you know, arena, and New York supposedly is going to be changing that rule soon, but legally he's not allowed to play in the Barkley center. And if that rule applies, come the playoffs, then half your games, Kyrie's not going to be on the floor. I, I still can't believe that. Like that is a situation that, that, that uh, Brooklyn as an owner and just as a business is letting go is letting for how much money they pay. It's an incredible situation. I don't, I don't and I'm not going to talk on side of all that stuff, but it's amazing to see an organization invest that much money into like a person and think about it doesn't matter what organization you do, any product any business that's investing that much money and then saying we can only use it half the time wild yeah absolutely wild so i'm excited yeah. to see what changes there but i think you you nailed it jeff I, and as, from my standpoint right and, and if you listen you know i'm more of a casual basketball fan i, I like the sport i know the bigger names but what i do know is we've gone to we're in the era of the super team right we we got there probably when boston did it late in the, in the 2010 or like around 2007 8 9 10 whenever um them in the lakers with ray allen and paul yeah. pierce and kg yep and, and thank you yeah and so as as that started happening right like we've definitely seen the nba change a little bit and then miami heat and everything miami, and, yep. but what i Warriors. love about this <laughs> well, what i love about this is that you're getting for, from uh, Brooklyn standpoint is you're moving on a piece of a, a superstar, right? One of those big three that handles the ball so much and can be so productive on offense. And you're swapping him out for a guy in Ben Simmons that has a completely different talent and skill set. And same with Philly. It's like, like you said, Hey, there's with all, the situation that arose, you knew that something was going to have to happen. And I'm glad for Philly that at least a move was made, whether it's, you know, whether it makes Brooklyn better and, and Philly better or whatever happens and shakes out, at least Philly did something right. Mm-hmm. Like at least they went out and did something Gotta, to make a change. And that's the yeah. coolest part. Cut them for nothing. For yeah. 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 Know? Yeah. So I, number one to me, when this came across the wire is I was surprised that anyone 
was taking Ben Simmons at this point, let alone for uh, James Harden. Right. And so then you get into the meat of the deal. And, and truthfully, I think it's absolutely correct that both teams got better, but I, I really think that that Philly did themselves a disservice in the capital they gave up. They lose some depth with Steph Curry. They're giving up two first round draft picks. And then the other guy that is involved in this trade that we haven't talked about much because the center is a dying breed is Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. who provided depth for Embiid uh, in, in the, on the five spot. Now I like him going to uh, I like him going to Brooklyn because uh, they, they just got rid of Jared Allen. So that fills a need there. Uh, and on top of that, like, like we said, you're not going to need a whole lot out of Simmons. You're going to get your two scorers involved. And then the secondary guys in Joe Harris and Seth Curry now uh, in Brooklyn. So that, that to me is a bigger win. I don't, I'm not saying Philly didn't win, but I think that's a bigger win than Philly. And on Philly's side, the only thing I'm worried about is, and I've seen it throughout his career, is how much Harden needs the ball in his hand. Uh, and, and so to to the degree that uh, you can have Embiid and Harden on the floor for 35, 40 minutes a game, it's it's great. It sounds great. Looks great on paper. Uh, when you go to a game at the Wells Fargo Center and you hear the, the starting five, you get fired up here in those two names. But the thing is, how much is Harden going to take away the ball from Embiid and vice versa? Because both those guys need the ball and they need to score. So I, I'm not worried about the ball distribution, right? Because it's not a, it's not a big three like Vito was talking about, right? Like it's a big two. And Daryl Morey's philosophy for a very long time has always been you need two superstars to win a title. You need, you need at least two guys who are all-star, you know, max player type guys on a team to, in order to win a title. And, and in the modern NBA, it's sick. And even like you look at the Bucks, where it's like you have a super duper star in Giannis and then you have an all-star and then Drew Holiday, who's been an all-star and, you know, Middleton and, and Hall- Holiday around him. Philly, like I don't think Simmons was ever going to fulfill, you know, whatever his max was in Philly. We all, we all know that. The ball distribution stuff I'm not worried about because I guess I am a little bit. It's it's more, more um, focused on – what is the version of James Harden that we get? Because when James Harden went to Brooklyn last year, he immediately became the point guard, right? Because Kyrie plays really well off of another guy who can handle the ball and all that. And, and all of a sudden Harden, and, and they only ended up playing 16 games together, which is crazy. Kyrie, Katie, and Harden only played 16 games together. Um, but when they did, and, and for the entire second half of last season for James Harden, he played point guard. He distributed, right? And and he was averaging like 25, which was a significant drop off from what he had averaged the year before scoring-wise. But he was leading the league in assists, and he was getting boards, and, and he was orchestrating the offense. And I think what's great about what Philly is, is Philly's going to be somewhere in between what he was in Houston and what he was when he went to Brooklyn, which is that he's going to take a bunch of shots, right? He's, he's probably going to shoot somewhere in the neighborhood of – 15 to 20 shots a game, but Embiid is still like the, the heart and soul of this team. My biggest concern with the hardened buy-in is not on the core on, on the court. Like I believe that yeah. together they will be able to make magic because you also have Tobias there who can, who's better in, you know, catch and shoot threes. You can use him to do some stuff offensively. He'll be a great 
you know, piece to slide in there with, with Harden. But Embiid is the heart and soul of the Philadelphia Sixers organization, just like Steph Curry was the heart and soul of Golden State. And when KD went there, they go, they won a championship, and it's this whole, like, oh, my God, this, they won, and KD's expecting, like, I, I won. I'm the finals MVP. Like, I w- helped win you guys this championship. And, and Golden State fans loved KD, but he was never going to be Steph Curry, just like no matter what James Harden yeah. does yeah. or Clay. But for, no matter what Joel Embiid does, or, or James Harden does, he'll never surpass Joel Embiid. He'll be loved, especially since they haven't won a title with Embiid to this point, so he'll be loved in Philly if they did. But it's that thought of, like, he is, is James Harden going to come in and expect this to be, like, his team? Because it's not. It, it's always going to yeah. be Embiid's team. On the court, though, I think they're going to be fantastic. I really do. You're going to have Danny Green, great spot of three-point shooter. You're getting Shake Milken back. Fork Furkan can shoot off the, you know, off the, or, you know, off the pass very, very well. Um, you still have Tyrese Maxey. You have Thibel, who's okay on the catch and shoot and yeah, carries. Keep, keeping those two was huge. It was huge. Like, and yeah. I was texting my buddy Ryan about this because, you know, he and I are both Sixers fans. And in a deal for Harden involving Simmons, you were going to lose um, either Seth Curry, Maxey, or Thibel. And I love all three, and I didn't want to lose all three. But knowing you're getting Harden, which one has the redundant skill set? Which one makes the most sense? The young, promising point guard who's been phenomenal in his second year and still has a massive ceiling? No. The elite-level defender who's, like, literally one of the best on-ball defenders in basketball? No, you're not going to sacrifice him. And so Seth Curry, unfortunately, kind of gets roped into that. Uh, The other point you made there, Scotty, that I wanted to touch on is, is the Andre Drummond thing. Cause I had the same reaction because I've watched a bunch of Sixers games this year where I was like actually impressed with Andre Drummond, the, yeah. the rebounding <laughs> alone, right? Like he's had multiple 20 rebound games this season and he's not a full-time starter, you know, like he, no, he, he's been a role just, player for six years. <laughs> he's just, he just eats up rebounds, but yeah. he's really nice to have in the back and, you know, in, in, in a room as a backup role, the NBA has this secondary free agency midway through the season of the buyouts. And there's going to be a lot of guys who are buyouts. Primarily, you're going to look at guys like Robin Lopez, right? Who I thought for sure would end up in Milwaukee, but yeah. Milwaukee traded for Serge Ibaka today. So I think the Sixers are going to go find somebody in the buyout market here in the next couple of weeks. They'll come in and be the backup full time until then Paul Reed is, will play some backup center minutes and they have some other guys that can fill that gap. But the thing that's the scariest about the Sixers and why I think that, you know, I do think the Sixers in a playoff series might have a slight edge over um, Brooklyn just because of the dysfunction around there is Philly in the half court, which is what playoff basketball is, is going to be unstoppable. Yeah. Because Embiid, he doesn't, Embiid's been having an MVP season with nobody around him. And now you're going to put the guy whose skill sets fits in the most seamless as en- of any NBA superstar or next to that, who's also going to be able to take so much pressure away from Embiid. Embiid could average like 35 points a game for the rest of the season. Kind of like and Matthew Stafford and uh, OBJ. Maybe, 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 yeah, maybe OBJ and, and James Harden have something in common. I don't know. I know I'm rambling a lot here. Um, it's just a huge, it's a huge deal. Yeah, it completely it reshapes the way that the the NBA it you know stands right now and, and what the, has already been a very competitive series. So the conference um, is wide open too. So I mean, yeah, it's wide, it's wide open. 
and Brooklyn, I think, got better. And I, if some assuming that James Harden isn't, you know, going to be there, right? Like, and wasn't going, didn't want to be there. Like, it's an upgrade already. Um, and then for the Sixers, you're adding an, an MVP and one of the best players in the league. So, uh, I got less sad about the fact that the NFL was ending when I saw this trade come through, because now every single Sixers game has become much watch, must watch TV. And uh, a Harden jersey? What do you What do you say? No, God no. Because <laughs> for all we know, this time next year we're going to talk about him being traded to the Lakers or some shit. You know, you never know. But the way NBA like superstars try to move, man. Only it's I do have a Ben Simmons jersey though. I, that's that's going to haunt me. Yeah. <sighs> that's so depressing. It's, it's one of the worst feelings in sports when there's a guy that gets drafted really high who you fall in love with and you're like, this guy's going to be fucking amazing. You put every single egg you've ever seen in your life into that basket and then it just crashes and burns. Like, it's one of the worst feelings in sports. Like, honestly, almost as bad as losing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially when you buy the jersey and everything. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like when, oh yeah you when spent you're, the time and the energy caring about this person and then and, and defending them in the arguments like Jeff, mm-hmm. I know you yeah had for so long so no a totally relatable i mean and and to relate it to the nfl it's like man i'm just excited that when i lost von miller and had his jersey and all that stuff at least he ended up going to a super bowl with his yeah. team so this this is going to be pro- arguably the most controversial thing i've ever said on the podcast Mm. If the the Nets with Ben Simmons win a title before Philly, there's going to be a small part of me that's happy for Ben Simmons. Careful. People in Philly listen to this podcast. I know. Like I said, (laughs) I'm going to get roasted Uh, for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be a small piece. It's going to be a very tiny little, the tiniest little piece you've ever seen in your life. But there's, there is going to be a part of me deep down that just kind of like, I knew it. I knew he was good. <laughs> and maybe that's just selfish and just, you know, vindication. Or I just, I liked Ben Simmons and I hated the way he reached it and he can fuck off. But that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's going to happen. All right. Let's uh, let's switch gears here, boys, because um, I'm not sure if you know this, but there's kind of a big football game coming up this weekend. The senior bowl. Yeah, the senior bowl. Um, Look, since he and the Rams and I'll be honest, I've listened to more podcasts this week than I probably have. um, And that's saying a lot because I I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, probably more this week than I have in any other week of football. And it's understandable because it's Super Bowl. But also yeah, because and you're I, on one. <laughs> I changed my mind. I changed my mind about how I feel about this game every day. Every single yeah. day, every single day I think about this game and I'm, I'm changing my how I feel about it. And luckily, I think the two of you are each pretty firmly set in uh, in how you feel. So, Scotty, no, no, seeing as um, seeing as you are a resident Bengals fan today, uh, we're going to go through the path for how the Bengals win the Super Bowl, right? Because yeah. in a, and, and there's a perfect world. And then there's obviously like ugly close games. And, and I do believe this is going to be an ugly close game, but if the Bengals win, it's going to be through a few things, right? First and foremost turnovers. If Joe Burrow protects the ball, they don't fumble when running it, which you're not going to be able to run much against this defense, but when they do um, and they can force Matthew Stafford into bad throws, 
that's going to be the biggest determinate, right? determining factor. And you can say that about like 90% of football games, that sure. the team that wins the turnover battle typically goes on to win the game. But I think it's extra important in this game because I think the Bengals are going to struggle no matter what on offense at certain points, whether it's the first half or second half. I just I think this defense of the Rams is too good. So I think there's going to be slow points, and, and I don't see the Bengals coming in having a big offensive day. Gut feeling right now, Scotty, what, like, how do you see the offense performing against this defense, just from a g- generic overlooking viewpoint? Well, I'd go back and watch the 49ers tape because uh, there were holes to be had, especially if the offensive line is good enough. Uh, and by 49ers tape, I mean in the NFC Championship game. Sorry, I should clarify. Uh, there were holes to be had in the running game uh, because the offensive line just dominated that that stout Rams defensive front for three quarters, really. Uh, and granted, they, they didn't get a whole lot on the ground, uh, but... Kyle was content to, to keep trying to pound the ball. In any case, if you're the offensive line and you're willing to double team uh, Aaron Donald on one side or double team Von Miller on one side, the good news for you is that even if Mixon or uh, P Ryan even, or uh, 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 whoever else is running the ball for them, don't, you know, get the, the big, you know, four, three, four, five yards per carry. You've got a guy who can run a little shotgun and and run the ball out of the pocket, which is great when you have three receivers that can get downfield and open up some of the the running lanes for you. So I think Joe Burrow's going to have a lot of green in front of him, uh, Hmm. and and I think they use a lot of the the short run game to establish uh, and then mix in, uh, mix in, not Joe Mixon, but mix in some of the, uh, the passing game uh, and I think they can do that out of the backfield too. I mean, the 49ers didn't run a whole lot of screens in the, uh, in the NFC championship game. And for that matter, uh, I don't think Tampa Bay did a, a, as good a job as they usually did uh, throughout the season in getting Fournette involved in the passing game out of the backfield in that, uh, in that divisional matchup. So if you can start doing that on offense, I think you're going to find a lot of holes uh, because you're going to have to end up double teaming guys downfield like Jamar Chase. You're going to have to, find a way to get T Higgins not involved, but Hey, even then you've got Tyler Boyd and CJ Uzama that, uh, that can open up things in the middle for you. So yeah, I don't know. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. Vita. Yeah. I don't, I just think that when we're talking about that offense, I agree. It's going to sputter at some points and just based off the last six or seven games from the Bengals. You got to think that they're going to get down and then in the second half, just have a flood of scoring. Um, I would be more wary if their flood of scoring comes early. And I know it sounds weird, but let's say they have an amazing second quarter, an incredible second quarter. They go into halftime. We saw what the Rams did and how they came back against Tampa. So late um, Stafford and, and their, their offense have obviously established some major, uh, I would say big play potential with Cooper Cup. Odo Beckham's obviously played really well this postseason. Um, he saved his best for for last. I mean, I think it's just like yeah. Odell just needs to play in January, and that's like where he shines, January, February. So that's good for him, man. But uh, I agree. If and if like they can have a big, you know, huge second quarter or anything like that, n- nothing crazy like the old Doug Williams four touchdown Super Bowl. But if they get a couple scores, 
I could see that leading into a false confidence um, going into halftime. And I don't think Joe Burrow would be an issue, but that team and the mentality, like every little up and down in a game. And if you've ever played any sport, right, you know, like when you're scoring, you're feeling good, you have the momentum and then you lose it. That's all maximized in a championship game, like a Super Bowl, right? I mean, this is incredible. So if they feel that letdown in the third going into the fourth, I think that's a little tougher. I almost, if I'm, if I'm Joe Burrow, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'd be like, man, I would love to like, keep it close, not get too crazy. Like maybe be down a little bit and then have a fourth quarter, like storm back. You know what I mean? And like be down seven. Cause I feel like that's where we've seen just Joe Burrow do it from that spot so many times. So what I'm looking for, and, and I know Scott, you were saying like establish the short run. I, I'm more thinking like, you know, you got to run away from Aaron Donald and he lines up all over. So I don't know where that is. Right. And, and I don't even know if they would know before the, the play starts, but I'm more looking for that. Is Joe Burrow going to be able to audible when he is at the line of scrimmage based off of where Aaron Donald and Von Miller are? And, and is he going to rely on the run checking to the run, knowing that like it may just be a few yards, or is he going to say, this is the super bowl. I'm going to throw it 55 times Spend and, it. <laughs> and put this on my back. And well, and, and he's done that in so many games. I want to blame him. But I think that's where I'm more worried about Joe Burrow taking over a game and doing it, you know, trying to do everything when he needs to also just hand the ball. So I, that's for me, when the Bengals run offense, I'm just looking at what is happening, who's lining up on defense, where, and is Joe Burrow checking when he's up there? And he has the season, but I just mean like, what is he checking to? I think mm. is what I'm interested in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think Cincinnati is going to be around the ball at all. Like, I, I seriously, right? Like, they might just go all out. I, I'm with you. And the thing is, though, like, I, I know we've talked up Joe Burrow a lot, myself included, probably as much as anybody, how much I've talked up Joe Burrow. But you look at the, at the three games they won in the playoffs here, you know, 26 points against Las Vegas, 19 against Tennessee, and then 27 against Kansas City. You know, we're talking about like hard fought close games. Like all three of those games are close. If that, if Ryan Hannah, Tannehill doesn't force that ball into, into double coverage on that drive, you know, like Tennessee was going down to drive to kick the game winning field goal themselves. They were tied 16 16. You know, Vegas had the ball with a one score game going down at the end of the fourth quarter. And obviously, we know how the Kansas City game wraps up and the defense ended up making plays. This Bengals team has just been on the razor's edge for so much. And, and I know we love the offense and the numbers speak for themselves. You know, the, the way this offense can score. I was looking back on, on Cincinnati season. You remember that game against the Chargers when they got down like 21 or 24 nothing? And then they came all the way back and made it 24-21. And you're thinking, holy shit, Joe Burrow just did this. And it was, I think it was the week after Cincinnati was like the one seed in the AFC. And you're like, this is insane. Mm -hmm. Like, how is this team doing this? And they just found a way to get back in games. They, the Bengals, they did it against the Niners too. Yeah, late in the game, they were down two scores and they get, yeah. they get right back in it late in the fourth quarter, seven minutes to go. I think one of the big strengths of the Bengals is how they adapt in game, right? Like, I think they obviously have a game plan, but a lot of their game plans open up the same. Like they run the ball a lot in the first quarter. Like when you, when you look at proportionally, when they run the ball, they run the ball a lot in the first quarter. Um, not, not the most, the fourth quarter over the season is the most, but that's because they're running out games as well. Um, but there's a lot of times when they're like, 
running a much more balanced offense. They have a few three and outs or a few punts on their opening drive. But once they get into games, they kind of feel it out, right? And all of a sudden, you know, that might mean going down 21 nothing, and you're like, shit, we got to make a big comeback here to, to get back into this game. Yeah. You know, and that's what and that's what they end up doing, right? Like they did against Kansas City last week, getting down 21 to three. And then all of a sudden, boom, next thing you know, they're up, they're winning in overtime, and here they are in the Super Bowl. The I guess the 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 pathway for me seeing the Bengals, at least the for the offenses, it's got to be quick passes, it's got to be utilizing Chris Evans, Samaji Pirine, and uh, Joe Mixon out of the backfield as, as pass catchers, because all three of them can do it really, really well. You know, yeah. the play that got them back in that game against Kansas City was the Samaji Pirine screen pass that he took 40 yards for the touchdown. That's the game that, that – without that play, they're not coming back in that game. It was massive. And everyone still thought, oh, you left too much time for Mahomes before they get the stop before halftime. So – they need to figure out ways to supplement the run game. I love what you said, Vito, about running away from Aaron Donald. And I think one of the ways you can do that is by running back design passes that you can, or even wide receiver screens as well, especially with someone like Chase, where you can get it out in the flat and make Aaron Donald chase it, right? Get it out so quick that's not even a problem. Yeah. But you said something else, Vito, I think is spot on. And that is, what's the score at halftime? If the score at halftime is a field goal, is a touchdown, less than one, six points, five points, something like that, then Cincinnati's in a great spot. Because I think the danger of this, and even if they do get down big, we know they can come back. But the danger of this for me is if the LA Rams come out just with their hair on fire and are able to kind of make a difference, you know, like really put it away two, two, three scores up in the first quarter. And all of a sudden you're like, shit, does Cincinnati have another comeback in them? You think so? Because I I tend to think that Stafford would get complacent. I'd rather not get in the shootout with him where you're going down. He's got the ball in his hands late in the game because he's had how many million games in the NFL where he's done that with the Lions, uh, where they're leading a fourth-quarter drive. The old Phillip Rivers classic where it's a fourth-quarter drive and less than two minutes to go. You got to get a touchdown to, to win the game. That's That was Stafford's bread and butter. When he was in Detroit, so like, yeah, I don't but we get also, but we also saw him throw an absolute punt on, on in the fourth quarter against San Francisco that should have been an interception, yeah, and instead wasn't, which would have been a massive game changing play, right? Like he wanted to give that game away. They did the same thing yeah. against Tampa Bay. I mean, that being said, like any team does not want to be down multiple scores in the first quarter, you know, or even in the first yeah. half. Like, like that's just a blanket statement. No team wants to be in that position. We know that Cincinnati can come back, but if they're up by three or it's a one-score game or they're tied or something like within a score at halftime, that's when I'm really going to start pulling on the Cincinnati thing. Because I think when push comes to shove, when one of these two teams, like final drive kind of moment, I have more confidence in Burrow right now, incredibly enough, than I do in Stafford. That's um, so, yeah, I mean, that was Stafford my, can my throw question. a pick right away, you know? Yeah. yeah like, but I, I don't know. Like, I just think... If Cincinnati's in a close game, I like Cincinnati more. The way I see like, the Rams winning more so is by blowout. Like, I think the if the Rams win, I think the Rams win comfortably. I, I just think this game's going to end up being a lot closer than that. I do, too. And I, I think it comes down <clears throat> to what uh, – you know, the Bengals' defense has played really well. And I think, Jeff, you highlighted it in those scores of the last couple games. Like, the Bengals' defense has kept them in games when the offense did struggle. It wasn't like – 
Joe Burrow had lightning second halves and, and incredible yardage, especially the yards and touchdowns later in the game. But like their defense kept them in games for so mm-hmm. long. So if the Rams can get a couple touchdowns, again, they can't be field goals. Field goals do not, those are nice, but touchdowns get you the spacing you need to get a lead and feel more comfortable. And so if, if the Rams can even score, I would say like 17 in the first half, which is a, de- a lot of points actually in the first half, but if they can get somewhere in that realm, I think, or I would say even two touchdowns, they're going to be in a spot where it's like, okay, all we got to do, Ramsey, like take out Jamar Chase, you're on him. Like, let's, let's line up everyone. We're going to do some disguise blitzing. We're going to rotate where Aaron Donald is, where Von Miller is. We're going to use them strategically, try to confuse Joe Burrow. And we get lucky once or twice and, and we're walking out of here as victors. So in my mind, we need to also think about what's going to happen when like, or I should say if, but like when that, that situation occurs, if the Rams get up, the game changes. And yes, Joe Burrow loves being down, but I think you also said it there, Jeff, like if it's close, I, I like that back and forth, you know, like if it's back and forth, that's what I'm hoping for in a Super Bowl. Stafford's going down and having something, you know, a, a drive of his, his own. We get, we get all of the Rams players involved, OBJ out in the flats, you know, uh, and, and then all of a sudden on, on the reverse side, Joe Burrow's coming down, hitting those screens. Like you're saying, let's get Jamar chase the ball right there. But I could see, the Rams being like, no, we're going to press all your receivers. We're going to come at you hard. You got to get rid of it fast. And you better hope one of your guys makes a play. And like, personally, and, and I saw this leading up to this week, they're starting to do the NFL top 100 this offseason. Mm-hmm. They're asking players who are already done with the season, like, who are your top guys? Jamar Chase was in a lot of lists in the top 20. Yeah. A lot. So that's, they ask players their top 20 and then they compile the list of top 100, but he was in a lot and Ramsey wasn't. And my point is that like, I am actually think that if the Rams line up, play press, say like Ramsey, you, you cover uh, Jamar chase. If Jamar gets them on a slant, man, that could be it. And, and I'm really interested to see that side of the ball and how the Rams play when they're up because if they play a little loose or whatever, and they, they sit back, I'm worried that they're going to just get slashed. And again, with the momentum piece, if you're up and then the other team comes in, you're like, Oh shit, we got to clamp back down. I got to be on my game. And if they get you again, it's it, the mental side of all of this, especially with the defenses and these quarterbacks is going to be um, a marathon, not a sprint. You can be up in the first half and it really, it, no one's going to give a shit in that halftime locker room. I bet, you know? <laughs> well, and, and I, I think the person who's going to give the least amount of shits is Joe Burrow. Right. If the Rams are up big, Joe Burrow doesn't give a fuck at any point. No. Joe no. Burrow's sitting there going like, all right, cool. Give me the ball. We're going to go down. We're going to do our thing. Like he, his demeanor never changes. And he, he is the, the biggest reason why I'm having such trouble picking this game because I, I like last year is a great example on this podcast. We were brand new at the time. And I was saying like, I, I know it's dumb to bet against Brady, but we've just like, like this team is just better. The chiefs are just a better team, right? Like that's the way we were talking about the offense, the defense, everything. It was just a better team. There was no way, you know, a secondary full of rookies and everything was going to do it. But Tom Brady had that team wired in. And I really, and again, not comparing Joe Burrow to Tom Brady, you know, I think you are just say it, just say, I'm I'm, no, I'm just saying there's a similar, there's a similar galvanizing quality that both of (laughs) them have. 
No, where, without a doubt there is. Teammates just buy in and 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 I think it's top, you know, kind of top to bottom throughout the team. Like I think everybody's bought in. Like out of a lot of the stuff I've been reading is that like Cincinnati is so unbothered by everything that has to do with the Super Bowl. To the point that like senior writers around the NFL are like, we've never seen a rookie team, like a team that has never been to the Super Bowl, look this comfortable with everything that goes on with the Super Bowl. And it's in LA. And you would think that the home team, the Rams, have a massive advantage. They're sleeping at home. You know, when they're getting ready for the for the Super Bowl the night before, they're at the hotel. It's the same hotel that they stayed in, you know, on a normal game prep day. It feels like a normal home game for them, even though, you know, in terms of their process leading up to it. Well, apparently the Bengals, the Bengals are completely unfazed by this. And it all starts with leadership. And who who's the leader of that team? It's Joe Burrow. Like it all trickles down, which is why Tom Brady was able to help get the Bucks to that point last year. Now, obviously, Tom Brady comes with a lot more, you know, cachet and achievements and everything. But like when you're in a locker room and it's like, hey, are you bought into what we're doing? Are we all connected? Are we all on the same page? You know, they are. And that's why I feel like they're almost more cohesive than the Rams. But I also feel like the Rams, given that this has been a three-year journey and the leadership and everything that's been there, you know, the, the Rams also feel like this should that should be how they feel. And I think they are, which is why I'm very excited for the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm just yeah. – I still don't know which way it's going to go. The Bengals' defense is kind of the other question mark here because the way they've played over the last three weeks, even though the offense hasn't been putting up a lot of points to what you said, Vito – the defense has been fantastic. And so if the Bengals are to win, the defense has to keep generating turnovers. They have seven turnovers in those three games. That Two and a half turnovers a game or two and a third of whatever the average is out to. Yeah. That's a lot. It is in the playoffs. And, and like you said. Two that, more? That's a completely well, game changer. Yeah. The, the uh, Tannehill and, game kind of, you know, puts that in a <laughs> – for sure, throws but, it off all, a little bit, but but they it's also a huge indicator of how they won, right? Like it was the same. They had a couple True. of big yeah. turnovers in, in the Las Vegas game, and and the pick that they had against you know Patrick Mahomes on third down and overtime ends up winning the game. Like they're just an opportunistic defense, and and I said that a lot. You know, we were talking about it on on Tuesday's pod. They're an opportunistic defense. They're they're aggressive in moments when they can be, and they know that they're going to get burnt for some stuff. Like Cooper Cup is going to have a, a, a probably ten catches and hundred yards in this game. I, I feel very confident in that, but that doesn't mean that Cincinnati is going to lose the game if that happens, because we've seen Tyreek Hill and Kelsey go off against them, and they won both of those games back in Week 17 and then last week too. Maybe yeah, so Burrow gets sacked nine times, and I was like, "There's no fucking way." And then of course they pull it out. But I, I think when you go back to the, the other side of the ball, like you're talking, Jeff, what, what I think your comparison about. Brady going to Tampa and almost like that cohesiveness, like, oh, here's the missing piece. Like we had great receivers. Jameis Winston, even though he is an elite quarterback, couldn't get it done yet. So like we need another guy. Right. And that's what happened. Brady came in, took him to the Super Bowl. Um, but the, the thing seriously uh, is that Stafford brings some version of that, of this is the missing piece for us, whether it really is or not, they're in the Super Bowl this year and they got there with Stafford and him coming in and, and it's just an incredible story. And we talked about it a lot on the last pod, their journey to this point. If you haven't listened, go back, re-listen because it's, it was an incredible pod about both teams and their journeys, but the Stafford mix, or I guess that, that like final ingredient when you're making some 
grand dish and you're like that's what it needs it needs a little more of this and like peace there is a stance yes thank yeah and so there's just a little bit and, and he's that guy and so i think the confidence of this team has to be sky high in having a quarterback that has proved throughout the season with the weapons especially with odell and and after robert woods went down like this team can get it done offensively and there were uh, like many games even in the playoffs there were two games that i was just like i don't think they're gonna win this I want them to, and I'm a big believer in the Rams, but like there were points in the game. I probably picked them in this pod, but like there are points in the game. Yeah. Like, Oh shit, here we go. Like Tampa, obviously it's like, I don't know if they're going to pull this one out and, and somehow they do. And I think that speaks to both teams. These four seeds who have just found ways to win at the end of games. If this doesn't go down to the end, I'm going to be disappointed. I think we all are, right? We want a good game that like kind of goes back and forth, at least to the, to the fourth quarter, you know, uh, towards the end. But what if the Bengals can keep, um, if the Bengals can keep the Rams out of the end zone enough and limit to at least a couple field goals, which is what they've been doing in the playoffs and, and doing a good job in the turnovers, if they can, you know, bend, not break, create a couple turnovers and just keep Joey in the game. We're going to see that game come down to the end. And what I'm really interested in, too, on, on the Bengals' defense is what's going to happen in the middle part of their defense. So on the D-line and the secondary, that's one thing. But the linebackers that the Bengals have covering some of the players for the Rams. And, and I actually didn't check up on this. Is Higby still injured? Higby does not look like he's going to be playing. Okay, that, and that's actually – I mean, that obviously favors the Bengals there because what I was worried about is the matchups when they go to zone and when they have linebackers in and they role play action, the Bengals in that case have not covered necessarily well, especially with crossing routes. You know, mm-hmm. that, Higby's one of the – Higby's really good at sneaking across – I feel like all tight ends are, but sneaking across the line after a play action where it's like it's play action, the linebackers recognize it, but the, like he blocks a little bit, they, they don't think about him, and then he just like – uh, you know, yeah, the delay, the delay yeah. route, and it's d- beautiful. Goes the flat. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they run it really well. And and again, you know, McVeigh's a, a genius in the offense. Um, but without Higby in that piece, we're probably going to see Cooper Cup running a lot of like mesh routes, right, right across the line. Well, we're and that's actually difference. Statistically, it's it's been the most, um, or the second most valuable, or I guess not valuable, but successful uh, route that's that one singular player runs right the number one most uh, um effective route is probably the better word is actually jamar chase on the go route that's number one number two is is cooper cup on crossers any sort of crossing route so we literally have the number one and number two most like valuable receivers basically based off of one route that they run but when you break down a whole route tree it's a it's a pff like advanced stat that i heard i heard when i was doing some of the prep and i thought it was phenomenal right like the most effective play or route that any wide receiver ran all year uh was jamar chase running a go route second that's was insane cooper cup that's video yeah, game stuff it is and the second is cooper <laughs> cup going across the middle which is something he does well and it's actually been something that's helped them open up a lot of stuff for obj as well because they're running these crossers sometimes they have obj as the single wide receiver on the outside sometimes they use him in those crossers but not having tyler higby is huge and there's one thing you were started to touch on there, Vito, that I think is important when we think about this game, right? Just looking at the last three games. In three games, the LA Rams have played six good quarters, right? They've played a good half in each of those games. They have not played a complete game. 
even when Cincinnati was down 21 to three, the offense wasn't looking bad. Like they looked like themselves. They just weren't completing in the red zone. They went for it on fourth down, didn't get it right. There'd be a couple of these things that, you know, prevented them from scoring, but they've played consistently their style of football in every game. Like weirdly enough, even though all three of these opponents, Vegas, Tennessee, and Kansas city are all very different. Kansas city was like, we're going to play our style of football and we're going to make the game, the game that we want it to be. And we're going to keep doing our thing and, and make it our way. And all three games looked kind of similar. Like, yes, there are some differences, but all three games, roughly, I mean, Tennessee was a little crazy with all the turnovers, but for the most part, all three games kind of married each other in some similar ways in terms of scoring, uh, offensive output, turnovers, for the most part, everything kind of averaged out. And that's, that, that, to me, is a sign of a team that is just defiantly being themselves, which I love. They have a very clear identity, like there are Bengals. There's only one player on the entire Bengals roster who's played in a Super Bowl before. One. And what I love about that is it's this independent, like, we know there's this, like, way you're supposed to go to Super Bowl. Like, we know there's all these rules. We know experience matters, but fuck all that. We got Joe Burrow. We're just doing our thing, and we're in the Super Bowl, and we're going to go out, and we're going to win it. And it's this, like, laid-back Jeff Bridges in, you know, the, the dude, like, just like, hey, man, we're just going to go out. We're going to play our brand of Cincinnati Bengals football. And it's such a difficult thing to account for when you're trying to figure out a game. Because there is no statistical reason why you should pick Cincinnati to win this game. They're, they're, at this point, there is none. The Jimmys and Joes, they go to L.A. The X's and O's, they go to L.A. The, the overall like statistical outputs, they all favor L.A., but there's just this it factor vibe about this Bengals team. Like the fact that there are guys who've been covering 20, 30 plus Super Bowls that are like, we've never seen a team like this in the way that they're approaching the Super Bowl is mind-blowing to me. Because that's where so many Super Bowls historically have been won and lost. Vito, you've told stories about teams that are like, oh, we're going to go out and party and enjoy the Super Bowl week versus the team that's like, no, we have to stay inside and have our rules. And the coach that let his players go be them go off and win the Super Bowl that year, right? Like we hear stories about Super Bowl week affecting the outcome of the game all the time. And the fact that they're like this locked in, they're this comfortable, they're ready to go is so rare for a team like this. Because I've heard people try to compare them to like the Panthers in 2003. And, and it's, a, it's a pretty decent comparison in terms of it's a fun team that no one expected to be there. And, and the, di- the difference is, yeah, Jake DeLome versus, versus Joe Burrow. Burrow. <laughs> that team was built through their defense. Chris Jenkins yeah, and Julius yeah. Peppers, right? Like that defense oh, was sick. Classic names. Yeah. I mean, that team was also Keeps roided up like a motherfucker too. But, then, you know, that's yeah. neither here nor there. Um, but it's that, it, kind of, that kind of vibe. And yet, like – I could so easily see like LA just like crushing them at the same time. Like it's just such a bizarre game and I just love it. And I'm so excited for Sunday, but I think the best path for Cincinnati is forcing turnovers and making the game look like their game, making the game look like the last three games where it's like, is Cincinnati Cincinnati's going to pull this out? They're going to win this game. And Joe Burrow's just calm, cool, collect in the pocket. And I think when push comes to shove, you want to bet that Joey Burrow's got the ball in his hand, leading your team down the field for a drive. I think that's the best case scenario because they, they're not, Cincinnati's not going to win in a blowout. Like that's not going to happen in this game. Well, the thing that I, I think when I look at this game too is um, when you get to a Super Bowl, you've had a great team 
and you've won a lot of great team games. To get here, you just have, right? And we've talked about their defense, but that defense has to feel so disrespected because we talk about, and, and everyone talks about, oh my God, this Bengals offense and Joey Burrow, and rightfully so. But then on the Rams, you do talk about their defense and their offense, and there's stars all over the place. But this Bengals defense, um, Shadobi Awuzie, am I saying that mm-hmm. right, Jeff? You're, you're a better pronunciator than I am. But all right, so when, when he was playing, I mean, he's playing incredible. And when they were playing the Chiefs, right, he was lined up on Tyree Kill, and he'd go with them to the slot. And it was weird because he'd mirror where he was going, but they were running a zone defense. So, right, they would shift which zone they were playing in. And, again, you know, Bengals, again, don't haven't been covering tight ends great. They did decent against Kelsey, but he still had a game. But uh, the, the point is, is what they did against Tyreek Hill and when Uzi was moving around with him and, and seeing all of that, and then also seeing how the defense adjusted. They run a lot. Bengals run a lot of zone. So they'll, they'll look like it's man, but watch when they do, they'll, they'll sag back then, or at least they did against the chiefs. Right. And, and they, they played a ton of zone in that game because of the weapons. And I think we're going to see a similar approach in this game because of the weapons again, but the difference is right. Cooper cup can run the whole route tree and so can OBJ, but OBJ, when you've seen how he's been utilized, it's been a lot of outside routes to like the, the, you know, whatever it is, the, the border, um, like, you know, out to the, the sideline. Sideline. And that's great against, yeah, thank you. That's great against, uh, you know, that's especially great against zone when they're backing up and then you can release the ball, but when man to man, right. You can break and you're wide open. It's no problem. But with zone um, it, depending on, on which zone you run. And when I say that, if you're running cover two or cover three or cover four, for those of you who don't know, those numbers correspond to the safeties and how deep you're going. Yeah. It's, how you, it's how you split up the field. Right. Yeah, so exactly. if you're in cover two, and where you two, pull a safety to. Yeah. So when you're in a cover two, your two safeties are dropping back. You're splitting the field in half. The safety on the right has the right back hat, uh, basically the right side and everything behind it. Left safety is left hash and back behind it. If it's cover three, it's thirds. If it's cover four, you're putting it into four. That's that's the like point, the best way you can break it down. Right. Exactly. But the point is, is that you still the same amount of defenders. So you go to cover four. You only have three guys that are covering the underneath zones. Right, you're rushing four usually. So the point is, is that at the more you're you're dropping back, the less you have, um, you know, for, for those underneath routes, and that's where OBJ has been really successful. Cooper Cup can run anywhere; it doesn't matter. But I'm specifically talking about that. And if they're running a lot of zone, I actually could see at some point them saying, you know what, Cooper Cup's going to get his. Let's put a Wuzier on OBJ and just mm. cut out some of these shorter routes, let them run zone and just say like, you're not going to beat us on these outside routes. And if they can just contain that, <clears throat> I think we're going to see a, a big difference in, I would say both the productivity that the Rams have, and also probably the frustration of Stafford. Like yeah. I, I think, cause at that, he's a at that point you could double cup. You well, could. and that's, that's what happened. So that's what happened in the second half against Kansas city. And that was their adjustment, right? That Awuzie, who's like their nickel corner, they bring him in to essentially, like you said, he's insanely fast. They have him basically shadowing Tyreek. They're moving him around. They're disguising different coverages. And instead of, you know, rushing six guys or having six guys, six, seven guys in the box, they drop that down by man and drop back and put the extra guy in coverage. The problem with that, though, Vito, is that the Rams have two weeks and entire half of footage against Kansas City to see that defense and to prep against it. Because you're right, because that's exactly what, Cincinnati should do but whether or not Sean McVay recognizes that 
is expecting some sort of defense similar to that and then is able to scheme up something against it is going to be a big question because the personnel still lies in the favor of L.A., even if they run that defense and you're giving McVay two weeks to scheme an offense to go up against that. Because I had this, I had the same thought, and it, it's it's a great call, and I think it's probably how Cincinnati's going to open up the game. But Cincinnati's also been a, a team full of adjusting. Like they've just they've they adjust to whatever they're doing mid game. They've been fantastic at halftime um, and, and making their adjustments as they go, especially on the defensive side of the ball. If the Rams have anticipated that and have a counter for it, that's when I think the Bengals are going to be in trouble because. If they can't get pressure with less guys up front, and now you're going to be like, all right, well, we have to drop that, go back and basically turn that nickelback or that extra coverage guy into a linebacker or into a defensive lineman, then it's just going to be that much easier for Matthew Stafford to pick them apart. It is, but at the same time, I think I could see this game going where Stafford's going to get a lot of completions, but not a lot of yards. Not a lot of yeah. keep, Just that's, play, keep everything in front of you until you get and, to the red and, zone. Yeah, and I think that's where we're going to see – and we've seen that a lot against great quarterbacks. It was said all year whenever anyone was playing Patrick Mahomes, right? Like if they're playing the deep two and like, they're just going to let him sit there and, and he's got to be patient. Yeah. And I think the point is that like, if they are forcing Stafford to do that, I could see Cooper cup having more than 10 catches. We'll get to prop bets later, but like, I could also see him having like 13 catches for like, 95 yards, which is, you know what I mean? I could see him just like, you know what? He's going to be open to the crossing routes. We got to hit him. But can they do it consistently? Can they do that? And then, like you're saying, can they take their shots when they need to? What is McVay's four or five, uh, you know, special plays where he's going to run cup yeah. on a reverse or look like it? And all of a sudden, what's the counter to that? Somebody? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Scotty, if Cincinnati wins, and we're keeping this all as ifs because we're holding our picks to the end, what's when? the final? What's what's the final score if Cincinnati wins? Uh, Twenty. 20- Seven to 24. Same score as Kansas City. Vito, if Cincinnati wins, what's the final score? 23-21. No, I retract. Yeah, I'm closer to Vito. Yeah, I'm going with, yeah. You go ahead then, pick a different score. 24-21 uh, 20, there. 24-21? Money Mac is making the difference. I would say probably somewhere like 27, 24 feels right, but I would say probably like 28, 26, 28, 25, 20, 24, somewhere in that ballpark, I think. So somewhere in the high, the mid to high, high 20s. Um, The other side of the ball, the Rams. The Rams, again, on paper are the favorites. Um, The numbers tell you it's the Rams. In fact, when you look at like the game cast prediction as to like what the ESPN, like FPI says, like the the team should win. um, I'm pretty sure they have, uh, yeah, 66.6% favored that the Rams are going to win the game, which for a Super Bowl is is pretty uneven. Um, For the Rams to win this game, it's very simple, right? The, The guys who are supposed to be the guys have to play out. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games, and that's what they need. They need Aaron Donald to be the man. They need Aaron Donald to destroy the defensive line of Cincinnati. They have to sack Joe Burrow the way that Tennessee did, right? If, if you get that kind of pressure, good luck winning multiple games on a playoff one, on a playoff run, getting sacked nine times. So that's the level of pressure that 
LA needs to be able to create. And I think they can do it just with their front four, which is terrifying. Um, they also need Stafford to be good Stafford. They need Stafford to be the version of him that's, that's not turning the ball over. That's careful throwing the ball. And I also think they need to be able to have some sort of running game and not in the sense of like they need 100 yards on the ground because I don't think either team will eclipse 100 yards on the ground. It needs to be like it was against San Francisco where but even it though it was like over 100 yards, it just feels <laughs> like every time they ran the ball, it was five <laughs> yards, right? They just, yeah. they need that threat. They need that explosion from a guy like Cam Akers, who's a freak athlete to just do enough to, to, to keep the Bengals defense on their back. And then it needs to be the, the, the Cooper cup and OBJ show, right? Those two guys need to play well. And, and I think Cooper cups are almost a given to play well, but they need to do that. And, and then they just have to limit turnovers. You cannot give Joe Burrow and that offense more time because they've shown that every opportunity you give them, they will take it and, and make something substantial happen from it. And, and to me, that, that's it. It's dominating the line of scrimmage on defense, protecting the ball on offense. And if they do those two things, then the Rams should go on and win this game comfortably. They should go on. But again, asking that seems like a big ask. Vito, um, I know you've, you've been leaning more towards the Rams. So give us your how, how you see this playing out for a Rams victory. And for the Rams, I think the way this goes is the defense can stifle Burrow for a while. I think that will happen. But I think what it, the difference comes down to is they do get pressure on him. I don't know if the sack numbers are the same, but I bet you the, the QB hurries are going to be up there, um, which is honestly just – it's not as important, but when it comes down to winning a game, it can be, right? Just as Absolutely. Important. And so, that's where, um, sorry, go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say, so as we're, as we're going through the game, I really do believe that um, getting the hurries, getting the pressure, getting the receivers off rhythm. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, the Rams defense in, in the Bengals face. I think you're going to see one big play or two big plays by Jamar outside of that. I think the Bengals are really going to struggle for a little bit. Um, and the Rams on offense is really where I think they're going to win and lose. Cause I think we've all seen them be very inconsistent throughout the, the playoffs. So is the defense, honestly, but I, it's just so funny. We keep using the word inconsistent with the Rams and they're in the Super Bowl, but it's true. So what are we going to see if they can actually reach their potential? And I think we're f- hopefully going to see that this weekend. Um, and on offense, what they need to do is they got to get the ball in the end zone. Like I said, it's got to happen twice in the first half and at least once in the second I, I, you got to score at least three touchdowns against Burrow, if not four, if they just settle for field goal. If we see more than two or three field goals by the Rams, they're losing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. So red zone offense and McVay's got to pull it out. I, I wouldn't be surprised if both of these teams go for fourth downs in red zone situations, just because they know field goals won't get it done. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised with that. I, I've more so, I'd be more surprised if the Bengals did that because they have McPherson, whereas Matt Gay isn't uh, as adept of a kicker. Uh, What's crazy is Matt. Not Matt to say Gay that he's not terrible. The, yeah. Well, Matt Gay <laughs> made the Pro Bowl and was like it was like second team yeah. All Pro, but yeah, then he leaves right. the forty-seven yard kick against mm-hmm. the the Bucks short by like ten yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then hits it against San Francisco. Anyway, the point is uh, that I mean, he hit the game winner against the Bucks. Too. Yeah. Yeah, but the point is. For me, I'd rather have McPherson in that situation. I would, I would Gay. too. 
But like Mac, it, Matt Gay has just had a weird year where there's been some kicks where he's very he's come up short clearly, but his overall numbers and stuff just throughout the season have made him one of the best kickers in football. Which it's just weird. Like it's it's it, seeing somebody a kicker come up short on a 47 yard kick was was just eyebrow raising just you know Especially, yeah it wasn't that good you're right it wasn't like a it, it would be different if mcpherson a rookie just like oh man he just hit it bad but like yeah, it's just not something uh, you yeah, see different. like you see guys come up short on like 50 plus sometimes you rarely see it and as short as he was i thought the kick was good when i saw it live and then i realized oh wait they're saying it's no good because it just dropped that much short like it landed in the end zone sorry scotty continue no, no i think we're it. all on the same page that mcpherson is like the guy here but all right, well, seeing as you're on Cincinnati, though, Scotty, where do you see the weaknesses coming in on Cincinnati's part that you think if the Rams win, this is where the Rams are, are, are getting through? I think, it's, I think it's on the offense, right? So we talked a lot about the secondary. If, if, uh, if they can sort of shut down the big play uh, on the outside, um, particularly, uh, I, I think – I think the Bengals have a, a decent shot. I mean, one of the weaknesses uh, the Niners had in the in the NFC Championship game was that uh, the secondary was banged up. The secondary is still young. They had two rookies playing out there uh, with Jimmy Ward uh, at all, and so uh, they were the Rams' offense was able to exploit that. And they'd get the the soft coverage stuff over the over the. Uh, the crossing route with uh, with the tight end, I forget his name, who who backed up Pigby again, um, and then um, on top of that, they'd 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 have Cup going over over the middle and, and all over the place, and then that kind of opened up, it forced them to play zone coverage, and then and then make the safeties make a decision, uh, and then uh, had the benefit of of really bad play from from uh, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, where. Uh, where OBJ was able to to run those routes that you were talking about, Vito, to the outside, to the sideline, but he do it in different ways. One would be a, a skinny post, a skinny post go. The other would be uh, just put his foot in the ground and, and making a, a comeback. And, and it was just simple stuff like that, that like 15, 20, 30, 35 yards later, you're like, oh crap, they're in the red zone after three plays. Like, how did that happen? And so if, the Bengals secondary is able to neutralize that at least at the very least and, and not let those plays happen. Uh, I, I think you're talking about a different ball game for the Rams because now they kind of, I think they've relied on that a little bit over the playoffs and they're going to have to go back to the drawing board, uh, particularly if it's having mid game in the second half. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think they're able to do that though with the talent they had. I mean, like Eli Apple has not been great all year, uh, but he's had a couple of really big plays uh, and in and, and really big spots. So uh, I'd look for that to to be the uh, the difference uh, at least on defense for for the Bengals. That's that to me is is one way they can neutralize the uh, the offense. I think Trey Hendrickson's actually going to have a really big game uh, because there's there's few people in the league that can stop him. Um, so I, I will remind you that I asked, I asked you about how the Rams can beat the Bengals, <laughs> right? Yeah, they, they can't No, look, the, the Rams can, uh, the Rams can run the ball pretty effectively. I think, um, you know, get out of those blitzes on, on runs. Um, uh, but for, for the most part, I think that 
they're they're going to have to exploit the uh, the middle of the field, like Vito was saying earlier, because uh, Cup can do it all, right? And then it, even in the uh, in the play action, if you if you're running the ball relatively effectively, uh, you're you're able to open up that over the top shot to uh, to a guy like Van Jefferson, um, where you know that could be an easy six or or even OBJ who can go over the top. So. Well, that's um, something that I think both of these teams can do a really good job of as well, too, is, is, is the deep threat. And it's I, it's I don't think it's a weakness really for either team. I, I think both teams can be had on it. I think both teams can defend well. Uh, Eli Apple is, is a great point, right? Like he's definitely played well in the playoffs. But I also think a guy like Cooper Cup, who there's not a corner in the NFL that slowed him down. Like I don't I don't yeah. think anybody can slow down Cooper Cup. I just don't like I think no matter what happens. In this game, Cooper Cup is going to get his. It's a matter of do they set it up enough so that way OBJ or Van Jefferson or one of these other weapons finds a way to kind of break through. Um, To give you guys an idea of just how close these teams actually are, even though it does seem like everything is slanted towards the Rams, like from a numbers perspective. And look, this is why having advanced analytics helps because it gives us insights into the game that the raw, you know, stats we used for 40 years don't necessarily give us. Points per game for these two teams to this point in the season. 27.1 for the Rams, 27.1 for Cincinnati. Points allowed per game, 18.3 for the Rams, 19.7 for the Bengals. Basically identical here. The first one is exactly identical. Uh, Total yards, 386.8 yards for the Rams, uh, 385 yards for the Bengals on offense. So both offenses, again, nearly identical. 287 passing yards, 282 passing yards, 99 rushing yards to the Rams, 102 rushing yards for the Bengals. All these numbers are are eerily similar until you get to defense. Yards allowed on average, 286.7 for the Rams, 395 for the Bengals. And the number that's probably the biggest gap between these two teams, rushing yards allowed, for the Rams, an absurd 54 on the dot, 54 That's yards insane. per game through what 20 games this season. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Bengals 127.3. Mm. The, the the Niners have a really good run defense with the best linebacker in football. The Bengals don't have that. And we still felt like Cam Akers was making a difference in that game. If the Rams commit to a running game at some point throughout this game, I really, really have a hard time believing the Bengals are going to be able to stop it consistently. They don't have the yeah, guys. He- they don't have the guys, especially without, you know, their starting defensive tackle. Like, that's a huge miss for them on the defensive line, particularly against the run game. They have a couple of good linebackers, some young guys who have overplayed or overperformed what their expectations were, but they don't have Fred Warner over there. And yeah. then you're going to couple that so, into the passing attack and the potential with Matthew Stafford. I think. So what you're saying ahead. is McVay takes a page out of uh, Kyle Shanahan's playbook. Just commit to the run. I don't think he'll do that, but I think they will run more. I think they're not going to be afraid to go to the run when they need to. Because the thing is too, is if you ask everything to be on, on Stafford's shoulders, he's going to make a mistake. Of course, it's going to be on Cincinnati to make the play where, like, you know, Chiquizzi, uh, Chiquiz Tart drops the easy interception. Thank you. The Bengals need yeah, to make sure reminder. that 
the Bengals need to make sure that they make that play when they're given that gift. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think it would be smart in McVay to, to make sure that, Hey, you know, we're still going to throw the ball 60% of the time in this game, 65% of the time in this game, but we want to help make sure we're controlling the game because we don't want to give the Bengals an opportunity. But I also think there's hesitancy because in that game against Tampa Bay, Cam Akers fumbled twice and he didn't get the same amount of touches against San Francisco either. And it's a guy who didn't play into the playoffs. He, you know, he's like fumbles, like a Cam Akers fumble is one of my favorite prop bets. I don't know if we can find the exact numbers mm. on it, but that would be on my list of something to, to, to jot down because I think that's a very distinct possibility. Um, I think ultimately if the Rams win, I do think it's, I think it's big. I think this is a Super Bowl where you go, you know what? The Bengals just weren't – it was a fun story. You know, they're young. Hopefully there's more in their future, and the Rams are just too talented. But I think the the biggest and the, the one piece of the Rams that cannot be overlooked as much as any is Aaron Donald. The, the What he means to that team, that organization, that locker room, the only thing – and he had an amazing quote um, earlier this week. And it was something along the lines, and I'm, I'm basically, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm going to try to get as close as I can. But it's, I've won or accomplished everything a man can achieve in the NFL, except win a Super Bowl. And he's 29 years old. <laughs> That's the level of self-awareness you hear about, like a Matt Stafford, who's been in the, you know, who's spent 12 years, 13 years in the league, you know, and played all those years, and he's 35. This is a 29-year-old who's already considered, I think, widely to be a top five defensive player. Uh, I would have him probably in the top three in the conversation yeah. with Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White. I really do think he's that good, especially in this era of football, where it's so hard to be dominant on the defensive side, and yet he's found a way to do that. I think he's going to play like a man possessed, and I think he's the biggest determining factor. Um, same question I asked you about the Bengals. Vito, we'll start with you. If the Rams win, what's the final score? 31-23. Scotty. I don't know why. <laughs> that feels 30, right. 38-21. Oh, wow. Big time. I would say 35-24. So we're all kind of in that same ballpark, which I think is fun, which, which again, I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I think this is going to be a close game. And I think that might end up leading to where I decide to pick. So I just think if the Rams win, I just, I think they win comfortably. I really do. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to hit our prop bets for the Super Bowl. We're going to spend some fake money and uh, we're going to see who wins and, and wrap up the pod on the other side. So uh, be back right after this. Super Bowl comes around. That means one thing. When 90% of the country learns what prop bets are, or relearns what prop bets are every single year. Seriously, like people are like, oh, you can bet on this stuff. You can bet on things like this. And really, you can only bet on stupid shit like coin toss, Gatorade, all that stuff for Super Bowls. But the Super Bowl is like the it's the Christmas morning of prop bets. It is by far the biggest holiday of the year if you are a prop bet fanatic, which I find to be uh, very fun. And one of the cool things with gambling being legalized in so many places is. The, the prop bets aren't just silly, stupid, fun ones. They're also like real things for the game that can give yeah. you a, a legitimate advantage betting. 
Like if you believe wholeheartedly that the Rams are going to win, you can get Cooper Cup over 80 yards receiving plus Rams win for like plus 180. And if the Rams are going to win, then yeah, it makes sense that Cooper Cup would have over 80 yards. So boom, there you go. It's a way to make extra money off your initial bet. We are already getting plus 180 odds compared to what you would normally get, you know, just playing your money line. So have fun with it. You know, if you're at a, you know, we used to do a, like a Take prop. your pants off. <laughs> yeah. We used to do like a whole prop sheet when I was a kid. My dad would type it up. We'd do the, the, the coin cup. Did you guys ever have do the coin cup? No. No, no. So it gets basically there's a cup, right? Everyone has like coins. A Cooper? And, yeah, a Cooper cup. Um, and every time uh, there's a score, the cup gets passed around that many people. So if it's a field goal, it gets passed three times. And then whoever has the cup, everyone has to add like money in it as it goes by. And then once it passes, you have to put more money in it. And at the end of it, whatever the total is, the person who has the cup, once all the scoring is finalized, gets to keep the cup. Oh, just a fun little side like thing. You usually, usually end up making, I mean, you can do it with like dollar bills too. Like you usually end up, you know, loser or where the winner can come away with, you know, like 50, 60 bucks, something like that. It's a cool, it's a fun little thing. That's not super crazy. So there's a million different ways you can bet and gamble and the squares too. Yeah. You oh, the Super the Bowl squares squares are huge. Yeah. I will say I've never done a Super Bowl square. Never oh, been a part a of waste of money. <laughs> that's that's always kind of what I I've thought. I've been lucky. So I, I, I'd say, hell that, no, I love squares. <laughs> that plays. That, that that tracks with Vito's gambling. Vito's like one of the luckiest <laughs> gamblers I know. Um, but so how we're going to do this is we're going to spend a bunch of time on prop bets. We're going to do a little bit on our uh, football prop bets. And we're going to do a little bit on just the fun, silly stuff. Uh, and there are some really hilarious ones you can find online. And then... Uh, at the end of it, before we give out our picks, we're going to put in our official bet slip. We each get a hundred, uh, we each get a thousand fake dollars to gamble, and we're going to add it all up at the end to see uh, how much everybody made. So I'm going to ask you guys to keep track of yours too, in case uh, I fuck it up when I'm writing it all down. So, Vito, you were eager to go. Uh, we're just going to go around, throw out some of your favorite prop bets that you've seen. I actually asked you guys to do a little bit of extra homework for this pod. So go ahead and throw one out for us here, Vito, to kick us off. So I've never seen this one before, and that's saying something for me because I've been degenerately gambling on Super Bowls for a long time. So uh, this is this is a pretty unique one. Combined jersey numbers of all touchdown scores. Oh man! Over under one hundred and eighty-seven and a half. Now keep in mind, to me, this comes down to: Is Jamar Chase the one scoring? Who's number one? Yeah. Or, or one T Higgins? Yeah, right. Who's eighty-five? <laughs> Like, for wow. real, that changes everything, right? That's like, like a boy, running back yeah. and two high number receivers. And then look at on the Rams side, right? Cooper Cup wears 10. 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My. And so, Van Jefferson's 12. OBJ Beckham is 13. three or, thir- or three. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Wow. That's really so, tough. Then you know what's funny, too? That's kind of a hybrid between like a, like a, like a football related prop bet and also like a, a fun, silly prop bet. Like, because both kind of play into it. Totally weird, right? Totally random. But um, you know, there are different odds. Obviously, under is a little worse than over. Um, but really, I, I was kind of leaning towards the under. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it's it's minus it's, oh, like it's basically minus 120. And under is the favorite. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so under is the favorite. It's a little worse odds. But I'm going to bet the under here just because of the numbers and, and the receivers. Because, again, if if Higgins scores twice. It doesn't count his jersey twice. He's just mm-hmm. a jersey. He scored. So oh. Joe Burrow sneaks one in. It's just nine. Yeah. It's just I mean, nine. 
it's, it's so so for me i'm hitting That's the fun. under on this one but i will put in the official best layer like you said but 187 and a half was the add-up line which is just such a unique one right so like you said it combines both sides that is a really good I love one. that yeah what about uh do you have any other any like like uh I don't know, Scotty, maybe we'll throw to you and we'll, we'll just do it that way. we'll throw some out there. Um, if you have multiple ones to throw them out, cause there, there's a bunch on like fan, like I use FanDuel. FanDuel has a bunch of special ones out there. Like I think there's about 15 or 20 different ones you can bet. Uh, get it, get onto some of them. Cause some of them have some real value, but Scotty, you go ahead and take your neck, your, yours right now. Uh, speaking of kickoffs, how about this one? The opening kickoff, not being a touchback. You can get that at minus one eighteen. Uh, so here's the rationale. Uh, last year it was plus two thirty, uh, but listen, this is worth betting if you're if you're into the prop bets. For in recent history of the Super Bowl, the last seven of the last eight season uh, Super Bowls have started with a kickoff return. Number one, number two is, and I don't know if if anyone else knows this, Vito, you probably do actually jeff you probably do too but in in every regular season game the the balls that they use prior to kickoff the the team kicking off is able to manipulate it break in the ball a little bit uh you know take out some air a little bit take put in some more air whatever they can manipulate it a little bit so uh so it 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 benefits the kicker that's in the regular season in the super bowl they do not do that at all. The none of the teams touch the kick, the opening kickoff ball because that ball goes directly to Canton uh, once it is uh, is touched or, or comes off of the field. So no manipulation of the ball. It's going to be harder to kick uh, yeah. for whoever they, it is, whether it's they McPherson usually inflate or, or them, right? They usually inflate them more. And if yeah, you look at yeah. kicking balls in the NFL, they're overinflated for that fact. It's so it's a stone. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, that's a great point, Scott. Oh my yep. God. I'm hopping in on that. You're going to make me so I am, my real money. Oh. I, I am on the under uh, on that one. The opening kickoff will be taken out uh, and it will not be a touchback at minus 118. Look at Scotty. <laughs> that, that's some, that's some historian shit. You're like, you're like Vito's apprentice to be the next historian. <laughs> that's good. Dude. That was, was that's my major. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. True. Uh, mine is a little more like, game oriented in terms of like how I think the game is going to turn out. Uh, Evan McPherson, eight plus kicking points and Joe Burrow, 15 plus rushing yards is plus two fifty. Wow. So you, you think about it, it's two field goals and two extra points. And then Joe Joe Burrow Burrow scramble for 15 yards. But do the, do the, if they're late in the game and they've got the ball, he's taking a knee. Do those count? against they do um i don't know that's a good question do they veto they do they are do. we sure um, are we sure yeah because i feel like college, i remember I, well, I know they do in college but i feel like there was a rule recently in the nfl where they changed it to where it's not negative rushing yards so no in, in college when they take knees it goes against it's kind of funny it counts as a sack and sacks mm-hmm. go against passing yards in college mm-hmm. in the nfl it goes against rushing Let's do a little real-time research. Yeah, Yeah, maybe maybe I could be upset. and as Yeah, maybe I I could be wrong on that one, but um, that's that's the way I'm I'm used to it. But either way, that that leads perfectly into a bet that I was looking at, um, which is – and let me make sure I get the odds right here. Will the last play of the game – 
be a Neil. Yes, ah. that's another good one. So the reason and here's here's um, and I'm trying to pull up the odds here. We're here. Pause, pause on that one second and look okay, that because I ahead. just confirmed uh, knees do count as negative rushing yards. So oh. that is something to be concerned oh. about if you're going to take this bet. However, McPherson, I do think we'll get over eight, eight or more points. Uh, and I also think that Joe Burrow is likely to run for probably in the neighborhood of 30. So even if they are taking a knee at the end of the game, uh, I think he's going to eclipse it anyway. Plus you're getting plus 250 odds. So that's one that I'm very, very high on. Um, Vito, back to yours, which I think is a great, a great game one and also ties into this, which is does the game end in a knee? And when you look at the games that we've seen so far this playoffs, I think seven out of the last eight playoff games this year have ended in a last second field goal. So yeah, it's, it's been a little different and, and why I, I want to, I'm going to bet that it doesn't, it's like plus one of the odds plus one fifty. It's crazy good. But, and so it's, it's really heavily favored that there, it would be a knee, but what I, why I'm betting it won't be is because a lot of times, right. Like you said, this playoff run and how close I'm expecting this game to be. I'm expecting a team to score late, the other team to get a chance and probably use the time trying to move the ball down the field. If there's a turnover, right, whether it's four downs or just a pick or a fumble or something like that, yes, then they might see a knee. But I'm going to go ahead and take the chance that this is going to be an exciting game. It's like why you bet the over, right? It's like if the game is not going to end on a knee, this is going to be an incredible finish. So I'm all for it. So I'll do that. (laughs) I think you're you're better off going that's not going to end in a knee. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's more fun. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and that's the other part, too, is like, what are you going to bet to root on? Now, I told you, Vito, and Scotty, I don't think you were on that pod, but my new philosophy this year, which is that I'm not betting on – I didn't bet on the conference championship games. I'm not betting on the Super Bowl. I might do some pro, I might do some fun, like, heads, tails kinds of stuff, but you usually can't get those on, like, the legal betting books anyway, so it's more going to be just for fun. Um, it just takes away from the viewing enjoyment, but – if you do want to like enjoy it, right, and just have some fun action on it, like it's the same logic for like why you would want to bet on the over because you'd rather watch a shootout than thirteen to three like we saw a couple years ago, right? Like Philly special year versus the year right after, which was highest scoring Super Bowl ever, and then immediately the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. Which one would you rather have? I think most people would rather have the Phil, you know, the Super Bowl fifty two. Um, that's a good one, Scotty. What do you got next? Um. I'm going to move to uh, to halftime because there's some interesting uh, interesting stuff here at halftime. As you know, it's an L.A.-centric uh, halftime. It's got Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Um, I believe uh, Mary J. Blige will be there. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, Kendrick we're not, Lamar. We're not, we're not into our fun bets yet. We're still doing football bets. Oh, football bets. Okay. Uh, well, geez. Uh, why don't you go? Uh, I got to find another one. Actually, no, I got I, I got one. I got one that I'm ready to go with. All right. Is uh is uh receiving yards for Tyler Boyd is set at 39 and a half. Mm. Uh what I just analyzed, I think there's gonna be a lot there for Tyler Boyd, especially if Joe Burrow's gonna need to get the ball out quick. 39 and a half. Uh we've seen him several times this year run a quick little slant to take it to the house for uh 60 plus. Uh, and that's just one play. Uh, yeah, it can be one big invo- play. Yeah, yeah, and he's been getting more and more involved in the offense. I think he's going to need to be a big part of this offense because uh, Jalen Ramsey's going to do his thing one on one with Jamar, and T. Higgins is is probably going to be the the benefactor of, of most of that. But 
but Tyler Boyd over the middle is is one place that I think that uh, Burrow and the and the Bengals offense can exploit. Thirty nine and a half yards for the over, uh, or thirty nine and a half yards for Tyler Boyd. I'm hammering the over on that. There we go. Uh, there you go, Scotty. Throwing some heat. I love it. Uh, mine's sticking with receiver yards as well. Uh, Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup to combine for two hundred yards. At plus 100. Now, Ooh. you're not getting a ton of value there, but you're still getting double your money. And I, I think it's very – I mean, because think about it too. Like, Cooper Cup could have 170. You know what I mean? Like, Cooper Cup on a big – you, you, at that point, you would expect Jamar Chase to have it. Like, both these guys are so boom or bust that, that I think you could very easily make something out of that. And then the other one here I'll throw out, out too that, I, that I'm, I'm not 100% in on but I think it has good value and I think it's worth it. Uh, either Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford to have a 50 yard plus touchdown pass. That is plus 200. Ooh. So basically did one of these guys That's throw a deep, <laughs> a deep touchdown pass, knowing the deep threats, Cooper cup, OBJ, Van Jefferson, all have caught deep touchdown passes this year. T Higgins. And obviously we know Jamar chase on the deep route is the most efficient and effective play in all of the NFL this year. Uh, I think that is great odds, and you're getting it for both guys too. It's not Matt Stafford or not just Joe Burrow. You're getting it for both of those guys. So, I'm I'm right now. I love that pick. Uh, I, I think plus two hundred odds is plenty, and you can sprinkle a little bit on there, and you're still getting great odds on the return. Um, and think about this too. Going back to the enjoyment of the game, imagine you have that on there. You throw if you have the money, you throw fifty bucks on that, and all of a sudden you see a deep throw like. When, the, when there's a deep shot coming, you get so excited anyway. Every single time a deep throw goes out in this game, you're going to be on the edge of your seat, which is it's already the most exciting part of football, and it's going to be even more exciting if you have this little bit on the line where you know you're getting good odds from it from two great you know, teams that can throw the ball deep equally as effectively. I think that's a great and, bet. And you know what? Like, You know what's funny is the first thing that went in my mind is like, could you imagine? I, I would actually bet now that we're talking about this, that we're going to see a 50 yard pass where the guy's tackled within like the 10 yard line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's close. <laughs> yeah. He, makes the he gets tripped the up at the very end. Him. He, the yeah. safety's like right there. No, I love that. So, so my next one here, football related is, and this is just plain and simple. And it goes back to our analysis and what we talked through. Cam Akers having more rush yards than Joe Mixon. It's minus 126. Mm. It's not great odds, but I would hammer that. I'd put confident money on that. Right. Like, $100 of my own money and just knowing like, okay, I'm going to make 75. I feel like that is a, a pretty, pretty easy lock just with the ways the defenses are going to go. So I, that's, that's the one I'm looking at. That's a good one. That's another good one. Scott, you got another football on here. We'll do a couple more football ones that we can find and then we'll switch over to the silly one. I do. Yeah. Uh, like this, this one seems strange to me. Uh, at plus 142, will both teams hold at least one lead in the first half? Uh, yes. Mm. Hammer it at plus 142. <laughs> mm. There we go. I, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I have a couple of long shots I'm going to throw out there too. Uh, defensive player to have two or more interceptions in a game. The Super Bowl is one of those is one of those where it's just like 
kind of crazy shit happens sometimes, and some guys just step up and have insane days. If they're going to be testing, you know, Jalen Ramsey, he gets a big turnover early in the game, and then, you know, the Bengals are pressing, trying to put up points later in the game, and then he ends up getting a floater. He gets something lucky. Same thing on the other end, too, with Stafford, right? If the Rams are pressing, he's already turned the ball over once or twice. You know, you throw it up to one of those guys in the secondary. It's a long shot because the odds are fantastic. You're getting plus 610, right? So it, it's a long shot. But, again, the long shot bets can can sometimes be, like, the most, you know, like, memorable ones at the end of the game. So you're like, holy shit, I can't believe, like, I actually ended up betting on that. Like, some of the defensive <laughs> props are fun, too, which which I, I, I don't know. I personally enjoy it, but. Uh, and then there's also a uh, – oh, I just oh, – shit. This is the problem when you're doing this, like, on your phone. You have to go through and search the ones that you had flagged earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I get it. There was a, a special teams one that uh, that I was a fan of. Let's see. This is so bad. It's the distance of the first successful field goal. Uh, oh. over, thir- over 36 and a half. Um Again, similar to you, Vito, it's minus 112 odds. It's it's giving you even odds here. It's one like minus 112 for both over and under. But with the way that modern NFL offenses work, figure a 36-yard field goal, you're basically kicking the ball almost in the red zone. Like You have the ball in the red zone anyway. So unless it's like a fourth and 12 and you're on like the, you know, 15-yard line, you're probably going to end up like kicking, uh, you know, or you're probably going to end up going for it in the red zone with both of these offenses. So and we just talked about how, you know, the importance of like, like I think the Bengals are more likely to be like, hey, we're going to just take the points when we're in the red zone. We're going to add up the field goals. I don't think the Rams are. But Taylor and, and McVay both come from this tree of like guys who who want to be aggressive, right? Guys who want to take fourth down shots. And it's a Super Bowl, right? And, and I think after Doug Peterson and the Philly special and these riskier plays and big moments, we talked about a couple, you know, last week with the Sean Payton stuff, right? Sean Payton doing the onside kick. Sometimes there's just ballsy moves. So, like, opening drive, you get down, you end up not doing it. I just think over 36 and a half, right? We're I'm talking about you're at the 25-yard line. So, uh, I, I think that's I think that's a good pick. I, I, I like that one for me. I've got one more prop, and, and this is kind of a wild one. So, it's will Matt Stafford score a rushing touchdown plus 462? Now Ooh. he hasn't he hasn't scored in over no way, dude. He hasn't no scored way. a rushing touchdown since 2016. And uh and so it's been a while, but it's the it's the it's the Super Bowl, man. We saw Elway jump and leap and get spotted and spung. And like after everything like that, I just think this could be a game with Stafford near the goal line where he just gets everyone up, grabs it, and goes. So it's a long shot, but at 462, I'll take a quarterback scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl on a rush play. All right. Scotty, you got any last ones? Because I have I have a killer final one that I'm ready to drop. Did you do the distance of the first field goal? Yeah. Did I hear that correctly? Okay. You did. Uh, well, let's see. Was that yours? Um, no, I'm asking if you did that. I did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the one I was going to do next. That's Sorry. what I was yeah, yeah. No, you're good. I got Go I ahead. Gotta, Go ahead with yours. I was going to yeah, say here. I, I have a great final one. I don't have much more in the game. This is overwhelming. I'm looking at the the FanDuel <laughs> process is, right now. This is probably <laughs> the best odds you'll get on something. Um because it doesn't seem like it's that inconceivable. 
And the fact that it has this much uh, on it, I'm probably going to sprinkle a little bit on it now. Um, each team to score one or more touchdowns and field goals in each half. So basically both teams need a touchdown and a field goal in each half plus 1500. What? Where is, yeah. can you send me that? I can't find <laughs> it. It's what tab on, is that under? <laughs> it's on FanDuel under the, uh, the featured match specials. That's a no-brainer, man. <laughs> Each team to score one touchdown and one plus field goal in uh, each half. Plus, 15. that's a no-brainer. Yeah, that's an absolute um, no-brainer. <laughs> that's actually, def- I mean, that's tough to happen. It's just such great odds. You have to take it. Yeah, if you're getting plus sixteen hundreds for something like that, like I literally, I'm I'm putting in a five dollar bet on that right now, as we speak. Um. So that's that's just a few. And if you guys are looking and you find other ones you want to add in there, feel free to throw them in too as we make our bets. But those are just a few. Um, I want to switch over to some of the more fun, random, you know, bets that that we're fans of. Uh, and uh, something along the lines there, Scotty, of what you were saying. So if you want to finish the one you were saying earlier, I will give you the floor first and uh, and lead us into our. The funny side stuff that, you know, we all love the commercials, but the stuff we can pay attention in the broadcast and, and after the game stuff that uh, you might be a fan of. Yeah, so I, I would lead off with the halftime show, which probably has the most volume of uh, prop bets and, and the most intriguing ones, I think. This one is interesting because uh, it involves uh, be, the Super Bowl being in uh, that putrid city in the southern half of California. Uh, involves a lot of, uh, of of musical talent that comes from there. Um, uh, so performing are uh, Dr. Dre, uh, Snoop Dogg, uh, uh, I believe Mary J. Blige will be there. Kendrick Lamar, uh, and Eminem. Eminem will also be there. Okay, it's a, it's uh, a so sick cast. It's a sick it, group it, of musicians. It is. Unfortunately, uh, most of them come from that terrible. Place. oh shut up uh, about it's your, better than the north scotty what have you guys done all right i'm defending my yeah. socal it's so Tupac. much better it's so much better don't even get going <laughs> i'm i'm with veto here so veto. You know, you're all wrong uh so we have the uh the bet for first play song played during the halftime show california love at minus 110 the next episode by dr dre at plus 115 uh forgot about dre's at plus 600 that's the one i'm hammering because we have not heard from Dr. Dre in a very long time. I expect him to be the first one out, the last one to leave, and the next step, or uh, Forgot About Dre will be the first song played, because Eminem will come out soon after. So this is this is great, and I actually want to dive into this. So I've watched the full-length ad for the Super Bowl. They did like a two-and-a-half-minute-long commercial for the Super Bowl. The soundtrack of it is California Love, which is probably why that's the favorite. However, in the commercial it's set up where it shows all, was it five of them mm-hmm. leaving wherever their little studio, whatever it is. And it's all, it's very well done, but all one by one meeting at the same like tarmac airport thing as they all get ready for the Super Bowl and showing up at the stadium. The first one in the commercial is Eminem. So when you think about this group of performers, right? Kendrick, Eminem, Snoop, Dre, Mary J. Blige, who makes the most sense to be the opener of that group? Because I think it's either oh. Kendrick, Kendrick or Eminem. I agree. And I think I think they're Fair. gonna build up the I think they're gonna build up the reveal 
to Dr. Dre and to Snoop Dogg. Like you don't open with Snoop Dogg. Same with Mary J. Blige. Like they're going to build up to those three. So I think it's either going to open with Eminem or Kendrick. I don't know. I feel like Snoop Dogg is Southern California. Like I feel like Snoop Dogg is that guy. So I would not be surprised. Yeah, but think about the right? Because it's because the whole performance has to, it's all about how it flows into one another. And like whenever Snoop pops up, like you're right, like there's a good chance that it's like a recorded intro bit where it's Snoop Dogg as the first one. Like that is very possible. But vibe wise, I feel like it's going to be either Kendrick or Eminem. Like they're going to start, especially like the younger audiences who maybe aren't as familiar with Dre and Mary J. Blige and Snoop. Like or an Eminem for that matter. Like maybe you open with a Kendrick song, but I still feel like because he's the more the most current, he's going to be tucked away. I think it's going to start with an Eminem song. Plus, he was the first one in the commercial. It starts yeah. with Eminem in the lab. I that's think it's good. Is there an Eminem song that's up for up for? Uh... Lose yourself is on there, I believe. Oh, uh, which that's such a good song. Lose yourself and humble are both on there. Humble is plus sixty five. That's Kendrick Lamar's, and lose yourself. Uh, is at plus 1100 uh the other tough part with these prop bets is we you don't know what's been leaked and what what hasn't been right because there's a chance that like like because that this is assuming that we know the set list of the songs which usually at the rehearsal which happens at some point this this week that prop like you never find it anywhere because enough has been leaked about it yeah and 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 my my favorite one about uh, about the halftime show uh just to, to throw an extra one in here is the number of performers who will be wearing sunglasses Ooh, in in la and and look snoop dogg most all the time wears sunglasses uh dr dre mary j blige will likely kendrick lamar i i i have this over uh over three easily and probably four so you can get three at plus 225 and four at plus 400 well, let's do this. Let's do this. All three of us make a side bet here. Who we think is going to be the first performer to go? Who's, or at least who's going to be like the author of the song that gets played first? I'm going Snoop. Vito's. Going I'll say Snoop. Dr. Dre. Yeah. Scotty's going Dr. Dre. I'm gonna go. Nothing but a G thing. I'm gonna go Eminem. I'm gonna go Eminem. I think they're gonna stay true to the commercial. That's good though, Scotty. That's a good one. Um. I have a fun one here. Uh, we've all seen how Joe Burrow has celebrated his big wins. He's, they've done it throughout each of the playoff rounds. He did it after they won uh, the game against uh, Clemson in the national championship game. Will Joe Burrow be shown smoking a cigar? No is minus 1350. Yes what? is plus 700. Oh, that's an easy yes. So if you think, if again, if you think the Bengals are going to win, Joe Burrow's definitely smoking a cigar. This feels like easy money. I, I plus seven hundred, yes. Especially yeah. if you're leaning towards Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I think I, there's a shitload of value on that one. Yeah, I like that. Right. Where would you find that one? That one uh, is unfortunately not on uh, any of your normal betting sites that's a that's a deep internet cut <laughs> i love it oh easy <laughs> um, not a sponsor <laughs> not, not, <laughs> yeah you just go to pornhub that's that's where i found this one ah. pornhub in the comments that tracks <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's great Vito, do you have any any other fun ones you want to throw in here there's so some I lost great, good ones 
Yeah, I lost what I'm looking for at one. Okay, here we go. Um, over under for the Super Bowl national anthem. I mean, it's a classic. I go to the classics. I, a couple different sites have it at different spots, and I'm wondering where this one is. Um, where is it? Sorry, I lost the time. Do you, do you guys have a time for her um, over under? Yeah, I, I have it at 104 and a half seconds. Who's, who's singing it, by the way? It's uh, it's Mickey Guyton. She's a uh, a young country artist. There and so go. yeah, she, she well she did it for like uh, this concert. It's on YouTube. Anyway, I watched two of her national anthems. Um, Under ninety about, seconds, right? <laughs> it, it yeah, it was it was eighty five, and then another one was like eighty eight. She seems to be more of a like you know faster um, singer. And yeah. so I mean I, I saw there's I saw one line here it is at, at one minute 55 which is an easy under i'm gonna hammer the under here and and not look back so like this might be where this in the coin toss might be where i put most of my money but that this is a uh, national anthem under is is where i'm putting money in nice yeah what's interesting on this one is that it opened at 95 seconds and it skyrocketed the other day for no reason at all i think on the eighth uh to up to 104 and a half and for for literally no reason at all. It, so somebody might have been listening to the rehearsal. I don't I know what it is. Say, but, you gotta be careful. But the, with the under rehearsals. the under seems in in previous um, um, iterations of of her uh, national anthem has been uh, well under one hundred and four and a half seconds. So well, uh, I'm with you, Vito, on that. The best quote from her is she said, quote, they call me quickie Mickey because I do sing the national anthem fast. And I was like, all right, we are we are hammering this. But it's perfect. Again, it's perfect for like this situation where she would elongate a little bit. It's a Super Bowl. But again, that's her style. So I'm going to hit the under and just just go with what the tape says. So nice. That's yeah, have you ever bad. seen those those side like their side? prop bets to the prop bets there's like how long will she hold the the brave in uh in, after the yeah. at the end of the song right like well, yeah, you know, she she word, crazier right? crazier. i want yeah. everyone to remember that it ends after the first time she says brave because two super bowls ago i got my ass handed to me on a bet because they said brave three times whoever sung it they're like brave, brave brave and like did the whole thing and it, i lost the bet period oh, because she kept resetting it she said brave and then brave again and then brave again. And then like it counted after the first one, the song was over. And I like was furiously emailing uh, a illegal betting site, which obviously wasn't going to do anything, but I was like, this is unfair. And it was like, okay, I should probably not be like drawing attention to the fact I'm using this website. So probably. Yeah. <laughs> not, not great. A um, couple other fun ones that are LA specific, which Hollywood uh, landmark will be first shown. The Hollywood sign at minus 275. The Hollywood Walk of Fame at plus 180. I think the Hollywood sign's probably a, a firm firm favorite there, as the numbers yeah. suggest. Uh, this one's a little bit different, though. What L.A. city or uh, road slash city slash zip code will be said first? Rodeo Drive, Beverly Hills. Rodeo. Or 90210. And uh, you can get Rodeo Drive for plus 115, Beverly Hills at plus 125, and then uh, 
90210 at plus 570. I think Beverly Hills at plus 125 is, is probably the no, I, I wouldn't touch I'll any let of the those. Cal, I was gonna say, I'll let the California. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah, like I think this these is are ones it's... that are just more fun to kind of even bring it's just up. so funny because it's all marketing. Because, like, I, I hope people understand the Super Bowl's being taken place, like, it's an hour to get to like some of those places from where the Super it's in Inglewood, dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 like it's <laughs> it's just so funny because it's very spread. Like, the Hollywood sign so far away, but yeah, they won't talk about Englewood. They, they'll might show it when they show the locate like stadium Englewood with the forum California. yeah but in terms of when they're going to talk about or show i would say hollywood sign is definitely shown first when they talk about one of them rodeo drive they'll show the sign a lot but that's right next to beverly hills i count that all as the same so i would say they're going to show rodeo drive and then uh other than that but um yeah i don't know i i think it's just so funny when you talk about because it it's like it's again, Scotty, right? Like it's what marketing people are going to do with it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. That's fantastic. for sure. Here, here's something that I love uh, and they're, and they're cross sport events, right? So uh, we're, we're talking about combining uh, the statistics from another sport with some of the Super Bowl stuff. So for instance, here's one that I love. What will be higher? The Daytona 500 average speed in miles per hour or Matthew Stafford's first half passing yards in the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh probably not the Stafford one. Yeah, yeah. So they have it set at at, at one twenty five, and I love the Daytona one. Like I think that's going to be so funny. Way over what Matthew Stafford throws. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, Stafford's got to be throwing to at least one fifty plus. Considering how yeah. fast those cars go. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no way. There's no way. That's a good one. All right. Yeah. Well, what do we say, boys? You want to spend some money? Some Last yeah, let's do it. money. I just some want money. the coin toss. The coin toss has got to be in there. All right. I've so every year. Coin toss is one for veto. And then what are the like what are the odds? Because I know FanDuel, I think it's like minus 105 and minus 105 for heads and tails each. So yep. we'll, just, we'll just go with that. Minus 105.4. Heads or tails? Tails never fails. Tails never fails. All right. I'm taking tails. It was heads last year, uh, but tails has had a, a recent trend of, uh, of showing up at the uh, Super Bowl. So I'm going tails. And how much of your $1,000 are you each wagering? I'm going to do... 100. Uh, I'm going to do... $100. Yeah. Why not? Hundred dollars each. Money. I'm not gonna bet the coin toss because I just like my other bets better. I want to keep my my money in. But hey, it's 50-50 shot, right? So yeah, getting, again, I, get, getting decent odds either way. <laughs> nothing, nothing sets the tone of a Super Bowl party other than telling people to shut up because you need to see what happens with the coin toss because you have a hundred dollars riding on it. Everyone will what instantly about- look around and be like, oh shit, like this guy is here for business. And I don't know if I'm ready to be at this party. Like it sets a tone. I highly <laughs> recommend you do it. That's incredible. It, similarly, the Gatorade one at the end does that too. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, all right. Well, here, boys. I'll Vita, we'll go with you. Give us your bets. Thousand dollars to spend. Okay. Um, you got a hundred on the coin toss. Yep, so you're down I'm to nine hundred. I'm gonna do another hundred on the national anthem under. And actually, you know what? Up the coin toss to 200. I'm feeling, I'm feeling risky. Wow. Ooh, feeling froggy, huh? 
Yeah, I'm going to throw 100 on – I have uh, the combined jersey score one I said under 187.5. I am going to do uh, 100 on Scotty's opening kickoff not being a touchback at minus 118. I'm going to do 100 on um, Boyd to get over 39 and a half yards. That's a great pick. <laughs> I'm going to do 100 on the uh, – oh, uh, Acres to have more rushing yards than Mixon. That's at minus 126. Actually, how much money do I have out? Sorry. I should, I should regroup. No, you're good. You have – $700 bet, including okay. the acres over mixed. And you haven't touched the big three either. <laughs> oh, yeah, the actual ones. I'm not going to bet on the real game. That's not what I'm here for. So I'm going to go for uh, – Jeff, I will also put um, – I'm going to put 200 on the first field goal being over 36 yards at minus 112. I love that one. Uh, then I'm going to put – my last 100 on the, the plus 1500 of uh, one touchdown and field goal by both teams in each half. It's just, that's a huge number. If I can hit that, you know, it's, that's, that's a good, that, that covers everything else. You can hit that and lose everything else. And you had a great day. So um, uh, that's, that's where I'm going to spend my thousand. I'm staying away from the spreads. I'm staying away from who wins because quite honestly, I don't know. I feel more confident in the national anthem than I do anything about the actual game in terms of who's going to win. I love it. All right, Scotty, thousand bucks. All right. I've got a hundred out already on, uh, on what? <clears throat> tails. <laughs> uh, I've got a hundred out on tails. Uh, I'm going to do two. 50 on the uh what's the stat you had the touchdown and a field goal the mm -hmm. plus 1500 one each half one touchdown field goal each half yeah yeah i'm gonna put 250 on that um i'm gonna do uh 50 uh on the national anthem being under uh the 104 and a half seconds <clears throat> uh what do we got i got 700 left um no you have 600 left 600 bad math uh oh boy we're doomed folks uh, i'm gonna take uh i'm gonna take the i'm gonna do 100 on the over on tyler boyd's receiving yards at 39 and a half i'm gonna make it interesting and do 100 uh, no, 200 on Dr. Dre being the uh, first appearance at halftime. What does that leave me with? 400? Um, we're doing on-the-fly math, which is not our strong suit. Uh, you have... Either three or four. <laughs> 400 plus 100 is 500 plus 200. Is, you have 300 left. 300 left? All right, then I'm going to go... Uh, I'll just okay. Let's do fifty dollars on Orange Gatorade. Uh, I know we didn't talk about that, but that's huge. And that's I a think, classic, classic. I, I think as the uh, as we as we progress, and you'll hear the rest of my picks, you'll understand why. Uh, so I have two hundred left. Is that correct? Uh, 
Yes. Or uh, right. uh, 250. 250. All right. Let's do 50 on. Uh, let's do 50 on Bengals money line. And let's do $100 on the Bengals covering. Uh, what's the cover number? Four or four and a half? Uh, I believe it's three and a half right now. Three, oh, it minus four, right? Minus four. Minus four? LA, give me LA the Bengals. Minus four. Give me the Bengals. My, uh, give me the Bengals plus four uh, to cover $100 there. And then the last hundred I'm going to spend on the under uh, at 48 and a half, I believe, is the last number I saw. That is where it is at right now. A hundred yep. on the under. All right. <clears throat> well, also we're going to tabulate like what the odds are for all these. Some of those we said what the odds were. Some of them we did. Um, first one for me, McPherson, eight plus kicking points and Burrow 15 plus rushing at plus 250. I'm going to put a hundred dollars. Actually, no, we're going to put 200 on that. 200 on the McPherson 8-plus and the uh, Burrow 15-plus rushing yards. Uh, I'm also going to do the each team with a touchdown and a field goal in each. That's going to be uh, a 150 for me. Bet on that. Uh, we're going to do Joe Burrow victory cigar plus 700. I'm going to put $50. Uh, that's on a good that. one. I forgot about that one. Put $50 on that. That's going to bring me up to $400. So I have $600 left to work. I'm going to go Bengals to win by 1 to 13 points. It is plus 230. And I'm going to take that for $300. That's just good sense. Yeah. On the Bengals. Big, big, big fan of, uh, of that. I'm going to take the over on Cooper Cup receiving yards, which is uh, currently 105.5. going to put another $100 on that. And that should leave me with, again, trying to do on-the-fly math here. Yes. 200, that's 400 plus 300, that's 700 plus 100. Leaves me with $200 remaining. I'm going to take the under for $100. That's a call of a champion. At 48 and a half. And the last one here, I have $100 left to spend. And we're going to go anytime touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. plus 150. Oh, interesting. That seems to me like a uh, a parlay buster. <laughs> I think it's going to be one. I think one of the because again, I think it's going to be relatively close. But I think o, OBJ finds a way into the end zone, and uh, that's uh, that's going to be my pick. So McPherson Burrow deal. You know that each team with a touchdown field goal. You know that Joe Burrow cigar Bengals uh, one to thirteen to win by for plus two thirty. Cooper Cup on the over for receiving yards and uh, OBJ. And I'm not gonna lie, the OBJ and the Cooper Cup one's a bit of a hedge. I think one. I, yeah. I, I think yeah. one of the two is probably gonna happen, but they each have a hundred dollars on it, and I think there's a good chance that both of those uh, end up happening. So yeah, I wouldn't put uh, them on the same card if I were <laughs> if I were betting. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I would not either. So that leaves us 
with this. Our final official picks for Super Bowl 56. You could get a pretty good idea of what we were leaning towards with uh, our bets there. But, Scotty, I'm going to lead it off with you, my friend. Who do you have winning the Super Bowl? Joey Cool, Ballistic Burrow, rides into the City of Angels and says, guess what, boys? This is my league now. Joey Burrow and the Bengals, Super Bowl champions. You'll hear it at the draft. There it is. There it is. The Cincinnati Bengals. Vito, picks to you, my friend. Who's winning the Super Bowl? We're going to see the second team in a row win a Super Bowl at home. The Rams are going to get it done. Wow. Vey avenges his loss. And, you know, um, last Super Bowl he was in, he was one of only two teams that never scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He is going to score many this time. Um, we're going to see an offensive that's actually productive. Defense can do well. But I do think the Bengals have a chance to cover. I don't know if we want to put that down too. Um, if I had to pick, I'd pick the Bengals covering and the Rams winning. But I think the, no matter what, I got the Rams. All right. Vito's you know, if, if you're betting Rams. two, if you're betting two, uh, there's, there's a fun stat. If you're betting the, uh, against the spread. So teams entering the Super Bowl with a 500 or worse record against the spread uh, in that season, including the playoffs, are 1-5-1 and against the spread and 0-7 straight up. Mm. Well, the Rams are 10-10 and this season in their 20 games, including the playoffs against the spread. They're minus four uh, on, the, uh, against, on the spread line and, uh, and minus, I believe it's 195 uh, on the money line. So the wise better would pick the Bengals. So all that said and good, I, I, I like that little extra last bit of sauce. I said at the top of the pod, I've been split on this one, boys. I've been dead split down the middle as to where I think this game's going to go. I keep flip-flopping back and forth. Everything in my brain is telling me the Los Angeles Rams. Everything. There's no logical argument. But there's that guy. And I've been wrong before. I've missed out on boats before. I've said, oh, I'm, I know it's Tom Brady, but I'm not going to follow the GOAT. I've said from the very get-go that you. there is a special <laughs> thing about the Cincinnati Bengals. There's something special about Joe Burrow. He is one of the most unique athletes we've ever seen up to this point in his career. And I know that might sound like hyperbole, but when you really look at it, it's not. I don't know why because I feel dumb even doing it. But last year, I went against the gut, which was to not bet against Tom Brady and to pick the better team. And this year, I'm not making the same mistake. Cincinnati Joe, the Bengals Send it. win it continually. And this is a game, if you're betting on this game, fuck the spread. Spreads don't matter. You're picking a winner in the Super Bowl. And that's why I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals to win. Even Spend though it, I'm going to regret it immediately once the game kicks off. So that's my No, opinion. you're not. Our bets are in. We're going to tag, get this all tabulated. And we're going to figure out who won our Super Bowl bets. And we're going to recap everything on Tuesday for you. So for the boys, for the last time for the 21-22 NFL season, have a wonderful weekend, folks. Enjoy the last bit of football. And we will talk to you on Tuesday. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Who day? Who day? Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>